are you the parent who fears that if the child is not academically brilliant has no future at all are you the parent that worries all the time that why is my child not good in mathematics are you the parent who thinks that if it if they don't follow the standard trajectory that assembly line of a designer career that of finishing uh, school with physics chemistry mathematics then taking up engineering then graduate masters graduating their masters with business administration is the only recipe for success and there is no other way to being successful are you one of those parents well here's some news for you some of the most prof- prolific hiring companies top leaders which hire thousands and thousands of people are either high school dropouts or have not completed their education to the fullest level or have not been academically brilliant at all times so what does it tell about your parenting skills now what, what does it tell about the pressure that you put on your child to be academically brilliant does that hold true anymore so are you the parent who's thinking you will bring up your child exactly the way you were brought up way back then and replicate a tried tested model are you the hiring manager who's thinking that the job seeker at least needs to have 90% in their academics or above to be eligible for the role are you an organization which thinks that only academically brilliant people do a great job So join me in this fascinating journey in this bus talk we're going to do a deep dive from a parental point of view from a society point of view from an organizational or hiring managers point of view and the interconnectedness of it all which has a bearing on the child the parent the job seeker the employer and the employee Hello and welcome to Bus Talk, a podcast about your work-life balance or the lack thereof, where we do simple talk in the world of complex commentary, the life around work and sundry. It's for those who need support in strife, stuck in the traffic of work life, hoping to find a method to the madness, joy in sadness. clarity in confusion and sanity in this commotion welcome to bus talk so let's jump right in i'm going to give you a three pointer or like a, the story from three sides side number 1 clearly from the parental side what is the average father or mother thinking about mathematics academics and the child's career and future a short segment on that followed by what could a child be going through maybe share a perspective from the child's point of view and their will and wish and their perspective and finally from the career and the actual reality that we see from a job perspective or rather the impact of such decisions on careers right the impact of the academics on getting a job and therefore the learnings that have come do they actually work do they not work are they immaterial we will figure that out along the course of this conversation 
So let's jump in and try and understand the parental psyche. What does a parent want for their child? They want them to do well in life, right? Simple, nothing wrong with that. In the process, the parent also has to guide the child, mentor the child, advise the child, coach the child towards the right trajectory. Right? Again, straightforward and simple. And then eventually see to it that the child reaches their true potential in life, gets the right job, earns money and everything. So when you look at it in absolute isolation, objectively, there's nothing wrong with a parent trying to advise a child on their academic choices. Why? Because it's a simple understanding that being a child, you are not exposed to how the world is functioning, how the future options might shape out. So the parent being older and wiser, arguably, in some cases, uh, is in a position to give you that information. And so as a child, you've got to trust your parent. So the parent is has no other vested interest. There's no personal agenda, again with disclaimers. There's no personal agenda to, but to ensure that the child reaches the peaks of their potential. And so they try and reference what's happening, right? So the, they try and reference to two things. They base it on history and they base it on the peers of the present. So when this, when I say they base it on history, what I mean is they think about how they have grown up, what they were taught, how things unfolded for them, how the result of some of the right decisions their parents made and how they're reaping the benefits and so on and so forth. So they kind of want to replicate a tried and tested model. Why veer away from something that has worked very well for them. So that's a perfectly legit way of thinking. The other is then they cut to the present and see what are others in similar situations doing? What are the other parents doing? And as far as they can see, most parents are following a very similar trajectory. And to put reference to context to those who are not quite familiar with the Indian academic progression or general and I'm generalizing here so it's not a specific because if you get into specifics then this could go on for another 10 days but the general trend has been that you score well academically you get into the admission criteria categories of the top colleges and post which you get into the proper engineering college then you do your masters in business administration and then land a job with a multinational company and on money uh, and success name fame and glory this has been the designer trajectory for many many parents at least post 2000 right 95 2000 onwards this has been a very standard template of parenting now it is all good when everybody is in sync. It is not so good when the child is not in sync. And so the question is, is the parent equipped enough? Are the parents being taught to be sensitive, to be receptive enough to know when the child is not in sync and then they need to alter that template? 
as it turns out that there is a fear of missing out there is a fear that what will happen if the child doesn't follow this trajectory the kind of run out of ideas and imagination and so more often than not you see parents force feeding their children overruling them and saying no nope, it's my way or the highway and yes there are enough instances when some of these children have gone on to later express profound gratitude for force feeding them otherwise they would have gone astray and you know taken some other trajectory there are lots of such cases cases but the parents are never taught are never equipped to listen to their child's inner voices that is seldom or rarely the case it still is in a large bucket of exceptions and so the general point of view from the parent side is i know what's best for my child i don't want to risk i don't want to experiment with my child's life and future i will do what is tried and tested so one cannot a third party external cannot argue with that sentiment because the parent will know the child the best now let's think from a, the child's point of view now the child clearly is maturing and developing and at early stages in say grade 3 4 or 5 they do not understand much whatever is going on that's why they follow like a like a train think of the carriages the engine is is the parent and the children are the bogies and they follow the track that is laid out for them likewise a similar environment is recreated at school where everything is uniform people are taught everything and everybody needs to learn everything right the fun part or the complex part starts from grade 6 7 onwards when the child steps into early awareness early maturity early thought process and questions begin to pop up in their mind of what they like and more importantly what they do not like and so the stuff that they like they tend to do better because they're more clued in glued in interested vis-a-vis the stuff that they do not like they stop listening they stop adopting and therefore they distance themselves from that particular topic and as it turns out math is the biggest villain for many many children across the world and certainly of course for india there are lots of children who have done exceedingly well in mathematics and not done so well in other subjects and the reverse as well so it perpetually presents a problem statement that is it just a passing phase that the child is going through that oh it's this initial fear factor for mathematics once they understand the concept they will be better able to address the subject and therefore score well and so the child is often fighting a battle and i'm talking about those set of children who struggle to like mathematics despite the best tuition classes support systems or the father or mother being exceedingly good in mathematics themselves if there is a child who does not like that subject then clearly there is more to it than meets the eye it's just not a plain dislike and unfortunately the child being the child this message 
is seldom or never conveyed accurately to the parent. It is almost totally dependent on the parent's maturity to pick up this sign, this small subtle hint that, you know, I'm really trying, but I'm not getting it. And it's it, this message, there are very few kids who are able to articulate this as passionately, as objectively at such an early age. Unfortunately, this there is no solution to communicating. There is only a parent's maturity that can identify that this is not an exception. Uh, this is a trend. You know, exception being oh, that's one of those days when he's throwing or she's throwing tantrums, or look, this has been consistent and there seems to be a pattern emerging. So there is something that I need to recalibrate. This is almost 100% dependent on the parent and seldom people figure out from the child's point of view. As a result, what happens is, you know, when a child consistently fails to echo their sentiment, their wish to the parent, A, they somehow cocoon themselves into their own shell. They could get distant, emotionally distant from their parents and seek solace with other children who are in a similar situation and in very sad cases or in difficult cases they fall into wrong company and in which they take a completely different direction and it, it becomes a messy situation and therefore it is very important to communicate with the child and enable the child to communicate back when I say communicate, one is being happy ears and one is being factual and objective. And maybe it's expecting too much from a child at such an early age. But if you begin early to differentiate between what is very objective, undisputable, undeniable logic and truth vis-a-vis -vis what you would like to happen, wish to happen, if you, if you give examples to the child, they will be able to better communicate back to the parent that look my dislike for a particular subject is not because i'm not feeling good about it alone it's also to do with the fact that the numbers don't add up for me and no pun intended there and it is up to the parent to pick up those signs consistently over a period of time. It's not like a one-off exercise. Over a period of time to then take action basis such input. So what's the net of it all, right? There is the academic pressure to do well. And then there is the child who wants to do something totally different. The reality is, how you grew up in the 90s is not how you grew up in the 2000s or 2010. And you can be rest assured that your child will not grow up the same way in 2020 or this following decade, referencing the previous decades. I mean, who would have thought in 2010 that YouTuber would be officially recognized as a, in the passport? It's a, it's a profession. It does not require any academic brilliance. Look, it's, it's important to understand I am not against academic brilliance, right? Let me be very clear. All I'm saying is not all students need to be academically brilliant. 
for those which it happens naturally are perhaps in the first category for those who actually want to do it but do not realize it need some nurture nurturing guiding maybe some gentle push are in category 2 but the third category which there are lot of students who are brilliant in sports they could be brilliant in debate they could be brilliant artistically they could be brilliant in literature or completely something that is not even invented or discovered as of now who need not be academically brilliant and still need that adequate support from the parents from the society so that there is no differentiation made between those who are academically good vis-a-vis those who are not because like i've always said mornings never show the day as a interviewer as an evaluator as an assessor you've got to assess their ability to deliver the job given to them the job description given to them if they if you find them not consistent enough to deliver that then absolutely don't hire them makes sense but you cannot reject them as a default reaction basis their academic background large part of the academic system is memory based and so there are people who can memorize well and deliver on their examination assessment sheets and then forget it the day next so when you ask them a double click question like a follow up question to a first question many people turn blank and say let me get back to you or i do not have the right answer people who have otherwise academically good records turn out to be very very mediocre and and someone once said right 90% of the engineers are unemployable in india i would not just restrict it to the engineers i would say in general because our situations are such that we want to just get by the education get those good grades somehow whether we understand it or not whether the concept is clear or not as long as you remember it and deliver it and write about it that's it you get good grades and then uh, the, you get into a good job what is seldom focused on is the ability to solve problems the ability to understand a problem at its core at a concept level so it all begins at the hiring stage who are you hiring basis what are you hiring are you hiring people on their academic brilliance or their problem solving ability or are you just merely hiring because you've just got a job to do and get on with it are you extending your mediocrity into your organization so all of these are interlinked if you see what you need at that point is is diversity of opinion as much as you want uniformity and that's the tricky part the gray part of running a business you need uniformity of opinion you also need a rich diversity of opinion someone to come up and question give you a alternative point of view an alternative thought which might give you a better resolution for all you know it is important to break the chain you have to hire people who are better than you you have to hire diversity not just in gender but in the mind and therefore it is important for organizations to accept that there will be lot of job seekers who might not be academically brilliant or great in mathematics are also still very good at the job now it's important and i'm sure you'll know it and realize it but for those who don't there are lots of jobs which 
do specifically require a strong mathematical ability those jobs for example in the statistical institute if you want to do regression modeling if you want to do data analysis or whatever it requires strong mathematical concepts it's only fair that you look for the top mathematical talent that is available there even today i can safely share that there are lots of people who don't come from a very strong mathematical background and still are working in such organizations and doing rather well but for the rest of the organization you cannot use the same yardstick so be open to the fact that people bring different ideas and as an organization you will get only richer Well, that's all for now. I hope you had a good time listening as much as I had sharing these thoughts. And if you did, do tune in to the other episodes of Bus Talk. Yes, you could share them on Facebook or Twitter and with especially those who might appreciate similar content. And if you need to talk to me or reach out to me, you can use the Twitter handle Hashtag #gyanban spelled as g y a n b a n one word or email me on gyanban at gmail dot com again spelled as g y a n b a n n. Be sure to tune in next week. There is a fascinating episode coming up for you. Till we meet again, stay safe, be well, and bring your A game to work. Ciao.